Welcome to Dabble Down. I think I'm gonna put the emphasis on, on Dabble now. Dabble Down. It's more uplifting. There's hope to it. Patrick Jones is here, another improviser uh, that I do improvising with. And he's a good guy, and he's very funny, and uh, has a lot of opinions, and he is very loquacious. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Loquacious. Pretty sure that means he talks a lot. <laughs> but in a good way. He's very funny, has a lot of opinions. Hey, today we talk about our favorite top five comedic TV shows and movies of all time. Actually, we split it up into a two-parter because we talked a lot. So the first, uh, the first uh, uh, section here, TV shows. And I just want to say, I feel like there's a glaring um, omission for me that I realized after we recorded. I totally forgot about Flight of the Concords. I don't know if it would have made my top five because the second season wasn't quite as good musically, but definitely deserves to be mentioned. I love that. Love that show. Love those guys. All right. That's all I have to say. Just listen to the freaking show. Oh, I shouldn't have said freaking. I'm sorry, guys. Just get into it. You know, stole that from Pete Holmes. No, let's let's try to recreate it. Um, so I always start the recording uh, just to, with the people coming. That's in. very helpful to do because you don't know what's going to happen. Mark Marin. Mark Marin. He's a popular podcaster. <laughs> wow, this is better than the first. Oh, time. so much better. Yeah. Uh, no. So I think where I left off was I was explaining to you how I would uh, explain what a podcast was to a person who didn't know what a podcast was. Yeah. Uh, and I was saying what I told my my sixty three year old Southern mother. Uh, I thought you were gonna, she asked me. Sorry, I thought you were going <laughs> to say sixty three year old son. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, too. yeah, yeah. My voice sounds young. I'm very, very, very old. <laughs> um, Devin met me at a bus stop. I was waiting <laughs> to go to the senior center for yeah. you know water aerobics. Yep. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I told uh, I told my one hundred and seven year old uh, mother <laughs> granddaughter. Um, yeah, I was like, you remember back in the twenties, thirties when they just had the radio? There was no television. Maybe even the forties. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's that, but it's on the internet. Right. That makes you know, sense. Pretty simple. We're gonna do mid podcast selfie. This is like very. Ooh, this is a thing. Wait. Let me get it and snap see sorry really it was great radio. perfect radio and now to get to Peter see the that mind picture, Devin, people are all picturing us <laughs> doing it right now to see that you're gonna listen to it and you're like oh i want to see the picture and then you're gonna sure. have to go find it yeah so no i buy that it's viral marketing i you know as a as a guy who does marketing i think that you're <laughs> onto something rock solid thanks man yeah no worries you know literally so this is episode 19 lucky I have, 19 i have forgotten to take a picture in one through eighteen. <laughs> like, oh, so am I the first one? First. Oh, wow. Okay, I meant to do it every single time. So I feel like I'm the first one that's like that the, matters. Like the full podcast experience, right? Like everything else is preamble to to this moment. Yeah. Or I'm just really lazy. Yeah, you know, yeah, either way, there's multiple ways to look at it, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. All right, Patrick. So today. Um, we are going to count down. I love a good list, by the way. Yeah, it's it's really. I've always found lists are the easiest way to. Uh, yeah, they really are. It's it's hard to wrap your like, you know. You always hear like the desert island playlist right. thing or whatever. Which, first of all, I think is 
stupid. Just bring an iPod. You can have <laughs> anything you want. Oh, as you're so as it, logical. As long as it lasts, I suppose. Uh, you know, a power source. But um, yeah, you know, it's really hard. I think both of us had a really tricky time. It is hard. So we're going to count down our top five favorite comedies uh, in two lists. So first list will be um, TV shows, and then the second list will be movies. Oh, so that's okay. what we're going to do. Yeah, I'm switching it up. All right. Cool. Um, the one I'm not prepared for. I yeah, like yeah. It. All right, yeah, we'll cool. start off. Yeah, well, that's fine. I think well, the reason why I'm doing TV first is because I, I would assume we have more overlap on that. Mm. And then the movies well, probably will probably fair. be a little longer. Yeah, and so uh, my general feeling on lists is that like my whole life I've been the type of person that like loves lists and getting and and figuring out um, where things rank. Like I love rankings. Sure. And like when I was a kid, like I would, my dad would get Time Magazine, and the only page I would read was be the like last page with all the statistics. Oh, I remember on that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, like important things from the month or week right. or what. I can't remember. Obsessed with How that. How quick is Time Magazine uh, published? It's monthly, right? Or is it is it by, is it two uh, times a month? Maybe I don't know. It's not weekly. I know. I, I know print is dying, so maybe it's sort of you know spread yeah. out over time now, but. Anyway, so I, whatever. Yeah. my love of lists, I mean, when, when BuzzFeed started, I was ex- really excited because I really, I was like, oh, listicles like is, was made for me. But mm-hmm. then it got taken so far to where it's like, you know, like 28 things that uh, Brie Larson likes to eat with breakfast. And you're like, sure, oh, yeah. come on. Um, That's fair. Yeah, you should only make a list if you really have, keep your list as short as it needs to be. I, it, yeah. There's not 28 different things Brie Larson eats. <laughs> Every day. Hey, man, breakfast. you don't know her. There's just no way. I mean, she's it, so well, good. I'll room. say this. I will say I, I, she's fantastic. Right. But I'll say this uh, as a person who eats food. I eat six, seven things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, variations fair, on that. I, I, yeah, that I know. an example. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I hope that's not a real list. Um, seven things Patrick eats. But anyway, so culminating or to, to wrap up this up, I, I have a love-hate relationship with this stuff now because sure. I don't want to be a part of the problem in the listicle uh, life. But the dumbing down of America's yeah. youth. Yeah. It's happening quickly. But I really love thinking about, okay, what are my top five favorite comedic movies? It's really sure. fun. Yeah. No, it is. It's a, it's a really fun exercise. It's super hard because uh, I think that everybody, I mean, five is such a limited number, especially yeah. in comedy. And comedy is so subjective too, right? Yeah. Uh, that it's it's tricky to to be like, these are my five definitive things. But right. uh, So let's start, with, let's start with TV shows. Um, sure. And I want to start with... I want to start with a couple shows, two shows that are not on my list, but are are like close, and I think with time might get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One is Louie. I really love Louie, and it incidentally Louie is on my list. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it then. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Uh, and two is Rick and Morty. I really, really love Rick and Morty. You know, I have not seen Rick and Morty. Oh I know, God. I know. I have. Uh, there's a girl that I work with, Tracy, who is yeah. obsessed with like, like literally only watches comedy based things, sure. like nothing else outside of the comedy world. Yeah, uh, and she's obsessed with it, and she has great taste and everything that she likes. I also tend to like. I just haven't been able to get around to it. Yeah, um, I've been doing this thing uh, since we moved to LA. So I moved to LA in uh, mid July last year. Uh, and started like really kind of like zero in on the screenwriting thing. And I was like, I didn't go to film school or anything. And so I tried to, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've been doing this thing where I watch a movie a day. Every really? Day. Yeah. And I have a calendar I made. I spent like almost four. This sounds insane. This sounds like something a maniac would do. Yeah. I spent like four or five months making this list that I was compiling from 
like all these different websites of like the 100 best comedies, the 100 best this, like things you must see before you die, like sure. all this shit. Uh, I compiled a list. The list ended up being, I think it's 3,675. It's going to take me like 10 years to watch all these movies, but I've started to build out basically a schedule every day. Uh, oh my God. And then it's like like Mondays, it's action movies, uh, action or adventure, and like Tuesday, it's like a documentary, right. and like Wednesday's like film noir or crime, you, and like all this stuff. And it goes through. Yeah. Have you seen a therapist about uh, your OCD yet? Uh, no, and it's really weird because I'm 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 very not OCD. <laughs> well, actually, I won't say that. I am I am oddly OCD, but only about very specific things, like how I organize. Uh, that's OCD. <laughs> well, but no, because like I'm like not like a clean guy. Like I'm not like you know turning the lights on ten times and right. and like cleaning the counter thirty <laughs> times. But it's like very specifically about like things how or that I right. order. Uh, okay, well if you need if you need yeah. a recommendation, you know I would love my dad's to, a, a recommendation to a therapist because <laughs> I've got way more issues than what I just described to you happening but uh, that's good um, so but anyway yeah all that was to say that my uh you know the time that I would normally used to go home before I was like really into like the screenwriting thing versus uh the tv writing thing which I sure. kind of was for a while the time that I would normally go home and watch four or five episodes of a show I now go home and watch a movie instead that's and interesting so, yeah so yeah. it's it's just sort of like sucked away my time and then in, in my day job I'm working uh on tv shows um right. doing the marketing stuff for that so I'm seeing you know what I see there so sure. if you guys want to talk about tbs you know <laughs> very funny a very funny <laughs> upcoming sitcoms I'm happy to go deep dive into that but, yeah um yeah that is interesting I I I mean this is a long conversation we, we don't have to have right now but yeah, yeah. the the uh the sort of my draw towards TV over movies in the past five years, like is the slow sort of change between what I, what I gravitate towards. Like I would, I would much rather watch TV at this point, but I sort of still force myself to see good movies because sure. I'm not forced. Like, of course I enjoy them, but my natural inclination is to watch a TV show. Yeah, sure. And that's totally fair. That makes sense. Um, I mean, the, the landscape of TV versus movies yeah. and the storytelling that you're allowed to do in TV that you're not allowed to do in movies uh, it, it's sort of exponentially different than it was even 10 years ago, right? Right. Uh, but so, like, so, so I was trying to play things sort of strategically. I love TV, by the way. Big bit, like, yeah, you know, it's a thing. But uh, there are, did you know that there are 400 scripted television shows uh, that are going to air this year between uh, regular networks, cable, and online? Okay, 400? 400 new ones. Not even new like, ones. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it's an insane, insane amount of <laughs> content that's happening. And, and Peak TV, man. Yeah, and if you start looking at, you know, people's trends and, uh, you know, history and all that stuff, it's like, you know, TV had a, a pretty big uh, sort of uptick in like the 40s and 50s, and then it dipped and movies came up. And, right. And it, it's sort of a wave, right? Yeah. It's like a so, sign curve between yeah, the exactly. two. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I was, uh, you know, part a big part of me was like, well, we'll go do the t- try to do the TV thing. I just feel like that bubble is going to pop. I don't know when, but I feel like it's going to pop. I feel like we're going to be like, eh, I kind of am into movies again now. Do you think that's because there's some sort of um, like subprime lender situation, but in the TV? Is there like an you analogy know, for that? I feel like there's all like really old, very wealthy white guys in a room somewhere that are talking about this, that are, yeah. that are pulling every string. And I don't know about it, and you don't know about it, and eventually, uh, you know... All right. Well, let's not. Yeah, let's not. Um, let's bemoan not the state of the industry. Yeah. yeah bemoan, sure. lament. Those two, two, uh, two good words at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. One dollar uh, words. Uh, my one. My <laughs> first right, grade. Let's teacher start off me. with your number five. 
Uh, are we? We're in TV now. Your number five favorite TV comedy of all time. All time. Uh, it's so hard to. It's say okay. Of we, all time. We know. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't know that I'm gonna say all time, but I'm gonna say the one that I. My number five that I enjoy watching the most right now. Is that what you're? Is that how you took this list? Uh, I will say these other four maybe are all time. All right, you do what you want. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but Veep. Okay. Yeah, do you watch yeah. Veep? I've seen the first two seasons. Okay. And I think it's really, really funny. Yeah, so so the reason I'm as into Veep as I am. So so Veep is, uh, and, and I would encourage everyone, uh, if you're into Veep, you should go find uh, the British uh, movie called In the Cut. And then I have only seen that. I have not seen the series that goes with it. But Veep is an adaptation by the same guy, the guy right. who is a showrunner on Veep now. Right. Uh, also did this stuff, and, and it's in Parliament and all that. Uh, but in the cut, the film has James Gandolfini as like a five-star general going at it with some people. But that like every actor on Veep is an unreal improviser. Yeah. At sort of like I mean Matt Walsh is in it. I mean Matt Walsh, uh, Gary Cole, Julie Louis Dreyfus, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anna Klumsky, which I wouldn't have thought would have been as fucking great at improv as she is. Yeah, uh, the my like the like the my girl girl, yeah, killer. But yeah, like literally every single person on it uh, is like a pretty you know accomplished improviser, right. and they crush every every scene. It feels like I really like Veep. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, I'm also a big fan of of inventive insults and inventive cursing, and I don't think there's a show <laughs> on television uh, ever yeah. that is as quite as good uh, as the with the inventive insults as you know, that they lay out there. I I, I love Julia Louis Dreyfus. I love her on Seinfeld, obviously, but to see her in this role where she is so crass and so mean and heartless, but like, I mean, not heartless, but you know, she's so crass and like, sure, yeah. That uh, contrast to her to to uh, uh, Elaine sure. is still like it still makes me laugh. She's just so efficient on on that show, and it's it's you know part of me is like uh, you know I wouldn't be upset if she was the president. She seems like she gets shit done, right. but then at the same time she also like has these weird little foibles, right? And these little these little things that like bring her down. So good. It's it's great. It's yeah. So. My number five. Um, uh, there's definitely a common thread here. Curb your enthusiasm. Oh yeah, left it off the list. I thought you were going to bring really? it up. Well, no, it's How one of my you. favorite sitcoms. But I was like, Devin will bring that up. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to even put it number five. But um, Curb. So I mean, what 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 can you even really say? Like Larry David is Larry David's influence on Seinfeld. Seinfeld is why I love Seinfeld so much. Sure. So yeah. it's just the it's just it's George Costanza, you know, condensed into one show. Yeah, uh, but not too at the same time, right? Because because like uh, you know, Jason Alexander was such a good actor, uh, and this is you know maybe we should just combine our Seinfeld. And, no, not no, yet. not gonna do it no. yet. All right, because it's definitely on my list. But <laughs> of course, you know, Jason Alexander brings his own little weird idiosyncratic things yeah. to uh, to George uh, in such a way that like it, it feels sort of like Larry David, like. I've always loved Curb because it literally just feels like you are walking around with Larry David I know. all day. <laughs> I know. Like what kind of weird shit he gets into. I want so badly to believe that that's exactly who he is. Like I know it's a heightened version. <sighs> you know, I, I bet you that it's not wickedly far off of what he... I mean, like, <laughs> it's, like I'm, I mean, it's not definitely like a heightened version, but I bet it's demonstrably the same. Like <laughs> yeah. if you really just literally just... If he had a GoPro on all day and, yeah. and then you watch the footage for a yeah. week, like... 
Did you speaking of Larry David? Did you see that? Um, did you see him host SNL recently? Uh, no, you know I didn't see him host, but I've I've seen You've seen a couple uh, clips. All the well, I've seen pretty much every every. Did you see the Kevin sketch he's done? Kevin Johnson or whatever. Oh, Kevin Roberts. No wait, Kevin Roberts, the one where you like, it's like a police uh, <laughs> a police training thing. Oh no, oh, I haven't God. seen that one. Nah, right. no, for, no. For those, I've seen all of his Bernie ones, but yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it. Google Kevin Roberts, SNL, Larry David. And there's two, there's the, the actual sketch and then there's the outtakes from it. And the mm-hmm. outtakes are amazing. I'll show you after. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, so, and, and also vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Feel the burn. <laughs> we, so literally every episode, somehow <laughs> politics get brought up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an election year. It's important. It's a big election. I would sit here and talk to you about the election too. If you wanted to, if you want a hard right on this thing. Uh, no. Okay. Hard, hard left. You mean? Sure. High five. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, all right, so no, I'm a what's huge your Trump four? supporter. Um, okay, so number four on my list, I think, which you uh, left on your honorable mentions list, is Louis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so Louis C.K. So I've been a big fan of Louis C.K. even before Louis. Uh, I think sure. I might be one of fifteen or twenty people who. No, like, come on. No, they're like like Luke, like Pootie Tang. Oh, you mean like, like of his movies? Uh, well, well, like pretty much everything he's done. Like I kind of get it. He has this weird surreal thing that he does, and he's done it for a long time. Like, uh, you know, Pootie Tang is a good example. Like he wrote and directed that, and it's yeah. so weird. And it, but they butchered it. I mean, they they they, they told, did. He said yeah. that he, he hates the movie because they took what he wrote and like changed it so much. They did. Uh, but there's still like there's still these these moments of of surrealness that sort of shine through. Like there's that you've seen you've seen Pootie Tang. I actually haven't. Oh, okay. Well, there's this bit in it uh, where, uh, and this is the best radio ever, is describing bit a bit from a movie. Uh, but he has, and I'll make it very short, he has uh, a groupie that's like obsessed with him that won't leave him alone. Uh-huh. And literally, is she's like making out with his neck and head. He's not looking at her. He never pays attention <laughs> to her. Walks all the way through a club into his apartment or like that's upstairs or something. Closes the door and she's outside like banging on the door like, you can't just leave me out here. Right. And he literally opens the door a crack and slides out a saucer of milk and then closes the door again. And she gets out on all fours and starts like drinking oh, the milk. Yeah, that's weird. And it's super weird, but it's also this real, like, odd, surreal way of like dealing with a groupie that won't yeah. leave you alone, right? Um, and so what I think Louis does a really awesome job of is, uh, you, you know, it's that slice of life New York stuff. And, and so a lot of the things, you know, obviously I'm not a, a 40, 50, how old is Louis C.K.? 15 is he 50 He's, yet yeah okay so like a four you know like 40 ish 50 ish uh you know guy raising kids in new york but a lot of the things that he kind of identified as odd things that happened to you in new york uh i, I kind of identified with as well uh and he also brings in uh, he he has like i said again uh, this eye for the surreal that happens in your everyday life and he, yeah. he seems to be always looking out for like that's a weird thing. What's right. that all about? Rather than just sort of glossing he over takes, and moving on. What he does so well, I think that other comedians struggle with to turn into a sitcom. Like other stand-ups, like for instance, Mulaney, and I love John Mulaney, yeah. but that show was terrible. And he, like, he took stand-up premises that I know, and he tried to make them into a sitcom. Sure. And it, it's too like A to A. Like it was like yeah, the, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But with Louis, like you can tell he has these stand-up premises that he artfully turns into cinema yeah and you never know and it's really hard you know a lot of times for me to tell whether he is starting with the premise and he's and he's executing the premise and Mm -hmm. then he's writing the bits in the show 
uh, to sort of support that or if it's the other way around, which I think if you're going to do that model of like stand up comedian, I'm doing my bit, then here's a little yeah. bit of it in real life. Like that blending is really interesting. It's kind of it's it's pretty great. The thing I like, always the thing I always point to with the surrealist sort of stand up thing that you know you takes a stand up bit and turns it into a really surreal weird bit is when the opening to one of the episodes when he's like trying to sleep and the trash the trash men are making yeah, noise outside and then awesome. they just and come, they come in, in. Uh, like, well see and, and that's so great bizarre. and that's you know and that's that's a really good example of surreals but there's another one that's even more simple and I've seen something very very similar to this happen in the subway but it was my favorite bit from uh I think it was like maybe season three of a show, uh, but he but he goes down into the subway and he's standing there. He's waiting on his train and there's this classically trained uh, violinist uh, that's just like playing the shit out of this. Uh, I think it's a Strauss yeah. a waltz and he's watching and he's like, oh, this is great. You know, he's just like really enjoying it. Uh, and as he's watching this, the most disgustingly filthy, fat, homeless guy comes down the stairs and stands there with like three gallons of water and just starts bathing himself on the platform, like pouring <laughs> water, like takes a shirt off. And it's just like, it, and, 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 you know, for people who have lived in New York, uh, you know, it's this, it, it's a perfect encapsulation of what that city is. Yeah. Is like the highest of culture mixed with just the gnarliest, right. like the lowest dregs of humanity sort yeah. of combining together in literally the same space, like five feet away from each other. Uh, awesome. and yeah, just identify. It's just really cool. All right. I love Louie. And I think that in time, I feel like I almost have to give shows a little space before they reach my, that might be fair. I mean, know. I think you're getting there. It's like season six now. So if you're not like, well, he's not fully making on the, one anymore. Is he not going to make any more? I know he, he has, has to the make same, one more, right? He has the same deal with FX that Larry does with uh, oh, HBO, yeah. which is whenever I want. I'll come yeah. And you know, his deal is awesome. And the way he got that, you know, he, he went in and was just like, look, give me however much money you'll give me. Yeah. To do this, and then don't fuck and with never it. talk to me about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll deliver you. <laughs> and then a show. they were like, "Yeah, sure." And then that's what they did. And I mean, he, he also Louis C.K. just is like a model of how to do it right is unreal. And obviously, that guy is brilliant and operating on a different level. But I mean, he writes, he edits, he directs, he stars in. Yeah, it. yeah, he's on another like level. he's doing everything for that show by himself. Number four for me is South Park. Um, South Park is a a show that I was just talking about this earlier is so important and so influential in comedy to me. And it's been around for since 97 or comedy culturally, right? Like, unbelievably important. It, it, it frustrates me when people don't, I, I don't mind if people are like, I get South Park, but I just don't really care to watch it. I'm like, mm-hmm. fine. But people that think it's juvenile or if it's, it's like for kids or it's like a silly comedy. Like it's not, it's one of the smartest. I, it's, I, I honestly, I actually think South Park is important it's to, important. to culture it because really I like, I, you know, I was talking about this uh, the other night with a friend of mine um, and you know, really smart satire is not something that's done super well anymore or hasn't been for yeah. a while. Right. Like um, being able to satirize culture, in a way, it, and it goes back to what we were talking about with like listicles and stuff like that. Like that's right. a lot easier than being like, "Here's the issue. How do I make fun of this while also drawing eyes to it in a smart way?" Right? And, but, like, and they have a way of taking a subject that has a pretty common take that like people feel this way about it. Yeah, sure. And they come up with something that's so unique, like their angle on why this thing should be made fun of. Yeah. And every time. 
I'll go into it. I'll like somebody will say, "Oh, this is that episode where they make fun of so and so," and I'll try to think about what their angle is, and I'll never know. Well, there was a great. Uh, that's a really good uh, point. Like my wife and I, we actually today we were talking about South Park because in preparation for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, we were talking about what they did this last season with Caitlyn Jenner yeah. and how they were sort of digging at her, and a less funny and a less insightful pair of people would have gone for the transgender surgery thing right right away right but they didn't they went for the reckless driving i'm a murderer (laughs) and then they did kind of play with the idea of of the transgender surgery but they didn't go for oh she's she's went from a guy to a girl they went for just it's bad plastic surgery do you know what i mean some of that you know what i mean like like what they were playing with visually wasn't like visually i'm a man now i'm a woman it was like i'm a woman who has bad plastic surgery and then paired it with this idea of I'm don't give a shit about anyone else. I'm right. just going to drive I mean, the, over you. The bigger point of all of that was that was the whole idea that because she's a transgender woman, we're not allowed to dislike her. And right, and exactly. Like yeah, America's yeah. whole PC culture that's happened. Sure. Means yeah. that, oh, you can't say anything bad about her because she's a hero. It's like, well, she's also like a super conservative, like hypocritical piece of shit. Like Ab for real. Like, yeah. I don't dislike her because she's transgender. I dislike her for every other. Oh reason. yeah, yeah. And like that's the thing. And like <laughs> yeah. whenever I think about Caitlyn Jenner, uh, which um, part of my job is doing that actually. Um, we do. I am Kate, so I don't know how hard I can bash Caitlyn Jenner. But <laughs> okay. anyway, uh, when, when I have issues with her, it's it's the transgender thing isn't even in the consideration set. No, you know what I mean? It's whatever. It's, no one cares about and that. No one gives a shit. Yeah. But when you are, you know, a Republican, hard Republican who doesn't who believe in gay doesn't marriage, believe in gay marriage and doesn't believe in progressing rights. Yeah. Like, and so like I've always I kind of understand why the LGBT community has sort of. Yeah, distance themselves from her and yeah, not really wanted should. to use her, and they should absolutely. Um, so number before we three. get too political, number three. Uh, so so now we're getting into my my legit ones. Um, yeah, I think number three is Eastbound and Down. Ooh, yeah, man, that's yeah. You know what? I didn't even think of that for the I, at the at the risk of sounding like uh, like a hipster. Yeah, uh, uh, and I'm gonna say this one more time later in the thing, but. Uh, I remember watching the first episode of Eastbound and Down when it first aired. Like I saw, I can't remember what I saw. Maybe it was like a Facebook ad or something for it. Yeah. Um, but look at me, like I like I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I don't know really anything about this, but this looks awesome. Um, and suddenly, and I think Kenny Powers is realistically one of the best comedic creations. Yeah, like I agree. of the last thirty years. Like I yeah. put it in the same camp as I do, like a Borat. I put it in the same kind of thing as I do. Uh, really really well-rounded yeah yeah you know it's yeah. just it, it's just like it's such a, a great he, he's such an incredible character and like uh, you know they never really get into his pathos aggressively so it's not really what the show's about right um they, there's a movie i don't know if you've ever seen the foot fist way have you ever oh, seen of course that? yeah yeah so they do a little bit better almost a better job in that movie about getting into like the why of yeah. why this guy is like this um which it maybe could have done a little bit of that but like it, it's just so insane and incredible. And Danny McBride is like such a comedic I know. powerhouse that I, that is one that I would never, uh, there was 
DVR, it didn't matter. It was always yeah. just like, whenever it's on, that's when I'm watching it. I will say the reason why I think it probably didn't make my list is because I thought the first season was incredible, and I thought it dipped for a bit, and then I thought the last season was actually amazing. Sure, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. felt like there was a lull. There, yeah, me. you know, it was, and and again, it's that, like, I, I love to go down these sort of surreal paths. I love I loved taking, like, a basic premise yeah. and then being like, where is the weirdest place that this can go while still being logical? Right. And there, it does make a lot of sense for him to go, but it's weird for him to go to Mexico and yeah. play in like a Mexican league. But then, if you think about, if you know, uh, you know a lot about baseball and everything else, and like your alternatives when you're not in the major leagues, right, makes complete sense, right? Make sense. And so, so that, and then you know that journey from there to the minor leagues and no, the, like Myrtle the, Beach, like it's not like the plot didn't make sense. No, I just no, didn't no, no, think I'm saying. it was that funny for a couple seasons. Like it was still funny. It just wasn't. That's fair. It wasn't like amazing to me. Yeah, and and they might have rested on their laurels a little bit. I, I think that the first season for sure I think that the real I think that what made everybody love that show to begin with was his interaction with children right. which is why his new show I don't know if you've seen the announcement about his new show but his new show on Vice HBO Principles. is Vice Principals yeah and it's just, with Walton Goggins yeah and from... it's him fucking with kids again <laughs> and like that's that well not fucking kids but you know fucking like, with them fucking with them yeah right yeah. Um, and so you know I think that that was the sweet spot was it's almost like a and, and you know forget about all the the rape and stuff but uh it's almost like the way Bill Cosby used to be able to interact with kids. Right. And it was like he would, no matter what, you put him and a kid in a room, and this is going, this, it's getting way off track, but you put him and a kid in a room, uh, and, and something funny would happen, right? To be clear, Bill Cosby is not a pedophile. Well, he didn't fuck kids. Yeah, he fucked just passed out models. Oh, God, uh, that's so yeah. sad. So, I know, you know. It is, it is weird, though, because you can't really talk about him. You can't talk about his comedy without it, like, seeping. Which is really him. unfortunate, you know, because it was maybe, and I don't know, I guess my timing sucks, but it was like a two or three months before. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my grandmother used to tape uh, episodes of, of The Cosby Show, and I used to always yeah. watch it, but I'd never seen it all the way through. Uh, and I got a Hulu subscription. It was yeah. there, and I started to like work my way through. And it was one of the first shows in a while that I was watching where I was like, every episode I was like laughing out loud at things. I don't do that like by myself, but like, I was like, this is legitimately funny. And I got like halfway through season two, and all the news broke. Yeah. And I feel like I have to stop watching it. Yeah. And I feel really sad well, about that. You don't that. have to stop watching it. No, nah, it's fair. I mean, Felicia Rashad's lovely. She was great in Creed. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. That was yeah, her, right? That was her. Yeah. All right. Number three for me is Arrested Development. Oh, I left Arrested I forgot about it. I <laughs> don't know how I forgot about it. Dare what an you. asshole. I think season four did it well, to me. Well, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm specifically saying... First three? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love Arrested Development. It's like one of my... Yeah. That's why five sucks. Five's too hard of a list. I know. Um, yeah. Arrested Development is... I, it's hard to even talk about like how good it was. I mean, it's just... it. The ensemble was was what made it so perfect. So they they wrote this the show where there was seven or eight or however many ensemble main characters and they all had equally strong characters and they all had their specific uh you know in UCB terms like their character game, right? Sure. Like everyone yeah. had their specific thing that made them funny. And all you had to do was just throw them in a room and and have the stimulus change, you know, yeah. like whatever the situation was, everyone is going to react in their way, and it was so quick. It's just joke, 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 and everybody would just bounce off each other, and that's what made the Netflix version so bad. Is because no one 
No one was in the room together. No one was in the room together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, uh, it, it, well, and so like, and actually, I see. I think I latched onto a slightly different thing okay. on Arrested Development. The reason I like it so much uh, was the intricacy of the jokes, uh, and so not just that it was like smart. per the minute, but like the foreshadowing that happened. Like, there's the whole thing with uh, Buster and him losing his hand, where they foreshadow it for like like two and a half seasons before it ever happens. Yeah. Uh, and it's all these little weird visual jokes in the background. So uh, what I've always compared it to, and this is super nerdy, but uh, if you ever read the the graphic novel Watchmen, have you ever read that? Or I've s- never read it, but you, I saw it. I'm sure movie. you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that book, um, you know, it, it can either come from a genius or it comes from an insane OCD maniac, right? But like the second chapter and the second to last and the penultimate chapter are mirror images of each other, and they're talking about dualities and character and like all these weird things. And there's all these parallels, and like every frame has something that tells part of the story. And Arrested Development's the same way. Like there's no wasted frames, right? Even if it's just someone just like giving you exposition somewhere in the background, there's something that's alluding to something else that's happened or is gonna happen. I know. Or so- and this is like it's so 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 intricate uh yeah and, and that it's 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 almost overwhelming in a way you know what right. i mean um, and, and that's what speaks to you well so one of the main factors in my head for like what was going to make this list was the rewatchability of these shows sure and that one in spades because of that yeah exactly because you can watch an episode a hundred times and you'll never get to the bottom i've of seen it. arrested development probably four times maybe five times all the way through yeah, from top to bottom and every single time there's 10 12 15 jokes Almost per episode that I like didn't see before. That's probably overblowing it. Maybe more like two or three per episode. But over the course of the season, it just gets crazy. Yeah. Um, number so two, two for you. Uh, okay, so number two. This is probably on your list somewhere too. Is it's always sunny in Philadelphia? Not on my list. Not on your list. But I love the show, and it was. Yeah. It's definitely in, in my honorable mentions. Okay, this is my other hipster one where I remember watching it like <laughs> the very first episode of it. It was my best friend and me in college. Uh, for the first season, I remember it was like appointment viewing. Like he'd come over and we'd get like a twelve pack, and we'd just get kind of lit and watch, uh, you know, always right. sunny. Uh, and I remember thinking then, I was like, "There's no way this show is gonna last longer than this like one season." There's just yeah. like, they, "What are they gonna insane. do with this? Like, yeah. it's too crazy. Like, no one knows who these people are. Like, whatever." Uh, and then you know, season two came in and they added Danny DeVito, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is right. a weird turn." Yeah. Um, and then when I kind of heard about why they added him, and it was that same thing about you know we need a star, we need something to hang our hat on. This is too fucked up. Yeah. Um, but they're another one that uh, I, I think does it's not satire, but they're another one that points out sort of fucked up cultural things. Yeah. In a very smart way, and I think that they've created and again also to use you know the UCB. Part Parlance, I suppose. Um, you know, every character there has their thing. And if you go back to season one, you know, they've done a, they did a really good job in season one of like laying the seeds of this is like Dennis is a crazy sociopath that's right. going to be a murderer Womanizer, one day. Yeah. Like Mac is gay. Like <sighs> Charlie's like, like they did all these things, but were very, very slight in season one. Right. And I, and I very much respected that they didn't get to like season four. Uh, and start to become popular and forget about the stuff that made them fucked up. They yeah. were like, no, we're going to follow this through to yeah. a logical Amplified endpoint. Because uh, now if, if you're watching, you know, whatever this season is, nine or 10 or whatever. Thing. 11. 11. Shit. All right. Yeah, you're in season 11. Like, Dennis, like there's no way, like, next season, like, there's no way this doesn't end with Dennis going to jail for, like, <laughs> being a murderer and, yeah. like, any of the things, right? 
Uh, and it's easy, I think, to and they even had like the Fat Mac season, yeah, where so Mac good. made the point of, or where Rob McElhinney made the point. He was like, well, yeah, like everybody on these shows, you know, you look at Friends, and all of a sudden everybody. Uh, got some money, and so they started looking a lot better. And their hair got nicer, and their clothes got nicer. And it's like that's not how <laughs> reality works. Like yeah. people get shittier looking as time goes yeah. on. Um, you know, what, one of my my favorite things about Sunny is is that, and I was noticing this sort of after we did UCB stuff, and I was I was watching it this season, and I was noticing that episodes. I mean, at, at most ensemble comedies have episodes that focus on certain characters like yeah. oh this is a mac episode right mm-hmm. i mean everybody's in it but but they focus on sure somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and what they do a really good job of in that show is if mac if, if it's a mac episode and mac is doing something insane like charlie who is normally very dumb will actually be the straight man oh yeah for charlie's him. a great straight man like and, every, i love it when charlie's a straight man but they're so good at Everyone can be a straight man. Sure. And everyone yeah, yeah. can be completely insane. And it doesn't really matter. And it's believable no matter how they do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, obviously mirrors real life that you're not always like the crazy idiot, you know, um, right. in your group. You know what? There's one other thing. Uh, and it's just like, as, as somebody who's writing a lot and like pays attention to that stuff, it's really easy to tell the seasons where those guys are writing everything. Um, and then ones where they're not. Yeah. They, because like, wh- and I always look, cause I'm always kind of keep an eye out for like right. written by who, um, and the ones that are not written by them, they're still funny, but it's, it, it almost feels like always sunny by numbers in a weird way. Yeah, like, I know it's like, mean. I got to hit this point and this point and this point and this point. Uh, and it's different when they write it cause they just forget about all that shit and they just, it, yeah, it's just crazy. Right. You know what though? The guy who plays Rickety Crickets is David Hornsby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, his, I've noticed the ones that he writes, I really like. He's close. And I think that he, because like, I, you know, season one, I mean, everybody, I don't know if everybody knows the story, but most people in the comedy sphere sort of know the story of how they got their show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they just kind of shot, uh, they shot the, the, is that a tranny scene? And they shot the Charlie has cancer scene. Right. And then just kind of pitched it around town. Um, and so that first season, it was all those guys. And I think that uh, maybe David Hornsby came in maybe season two. And then I think he was the only other writer they had for, right. Maybe three seasons. And yeah, then yeah, they yeah. kind of expanded outwards as they kind of got more and more popular and, had other shit to do. I love funny, it. But you know, it's interesting. We, we haven't had a single overlap yet. I'm really surprised. It's no, great. Well, yeah, no, I think we have some that I've left off or you've left off, but so my number two, 30 rock, 30 rock. Yeah. It's not on one. your, not on my list. Wow. I love 30 rock. I really, I, th- I think 30 rocks phenomenal and one of the funnier shows. Yeah. I've ever seen similar but. to arrested development in that eminently rewatchable. Sure. Yeah. You can just, any, I can flip on any episode of 30 Rock and I'll never remember all the jokes because there's so yeah. many. They're so complex. It's that joke a minute thing, which is awesome and so, so good. And, you know, if you're going to make that kind of show, that's yeah. what you need to do. And this is super inside baseball, but um, David was telling me that uh, he was saying that. So 30 Rock is essentially they're heralds, right? Because. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The way the way. So in, in UCB or I guess in. A lot of different improv studios they have they teach a uh, a form called a form, the Herald, yeah. and the Herald is generally about twenty three minutes, which is this length of a sitcom. Sure. And what happens in it is basically you have three different scenes that involve two or three people, and and then you sort of like go back like in a TV version of a Herald, you know, you would see. Jenna and Tracy get into something wacky and that would be five minutes. And then you would see like 
Liz Lemon and Jack get into something. And so you basically see three scenes and then a commercial and they would come back to those three scenes uh, and it would like something crazier would happen or somebody else would come in or they yeah. would merge a little bit. And at the very end, everything would come in and connect. And that's kind of the structure. I mean, it's all, th- it's all three act structure. I mean, it's, it's based there. Even the Herald's based in three act structure. It's sure. telling three stories in three acts, basically, you know, however yeah. you want to do it uh, with variations, obviously. But yeah, no, 30 rock is uh, super inventive. Really, really, really funny. Um, I, I watched the, it was just really, I always, don't compare it really because you can't compare it but uh you put it sort of side by side with uh studio 60 on the sunset strip did you ever watch that the sorkin one no uh so it's like a season or two um and they're both ostensibly about you know running a late night show and it was this one is so sort of up its own ass while the other one is just like whatever we're having fun (laughs) uh and it's yeah yeah yeah. um i do yeah i i it's tough with it's oh man. All right, you know what? Let's just go to let's just go to your number one. Wait, you already did. We already did five we, through two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't we say them at the same time? I think they're and make be. eye contact. I bet they're the same thing. <laughs> Three, two, one. Seinfeld. <laughs> right. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Yeah, we would. But, um, but five through two of both of ours and knows yeah, they, literally they, no overlap. No, which is great. Um, so mine was Curb, South Park, Arrested, Thirty Rock. Seinfeld. I can't remember what I said now. Uh, oh, what yeah. I say? Veep. Uh, Veep. Louis. Louis. Eastbound and Down. Eastbound always Down. Sunny. It's always sunny. I love uh, all those shows. Before we talk about Seinfeld, I think I want to just throw it out there. The Simpsons yeah. is obviously the best comedy anything of all time. It it's is. the reason it's been on for 30 years. There's yeah. no reason for us to talk about The Simpsons. Yeah. It's one of those things I, I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it, putting it on my list, and I yeah. was like, it was very influential to me. I loved it when I was a kid. It's been on way too long, and I can't get through an episode. But it's like, now. yeah, I mean, it's like, but it's like the Wailing Wall, right? It's like the, it's like the right. fucking nexus of all comedy yeah. flows out of The Simpsons <laughs> in the in the modern world, right? Like, I, I don't think that there's anything that does. I, I you you could pull 100 comedians, and I think every single one of them would yeah. list The Simpsons somewhere on their list. Right? Very important so. and influential, but I just for some reason don't. It's yeah. not like something I want to watch. Well, it's because it's been sort of irrelevant for the last what ten years, at least in a yeah. way, you know. Um, which is a bummer. I really do, in a sad way, wish they put her to bed. Yeah, but send her off into right? the. I mean, whatever. Yeah, but at the same time, who gives a shit? It's still on. It's fine. It's funnier than probably. Yeah, fifty percent of what gets put on air that's supposed to be funny. So yeah, whatever. But Seinfeld. yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah, changed my life. I mean, I I changed my life. It 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 started my life. Like you know, no, I'm with you. Like it started my comedic life. I wa- I used to watch it every single day coming home from school, even as long back as like third grade. As soon as it was syndicated on Fox, sure, I would yeah. watch it every day at seven thirty uh, with my dad um, while we were eating dinner or before dinner or whatever, and it completely informed what I thought was funny in the world. Absolutely. I'm in the same identical boat, only yeah. not with my dad. So uh, <laughs> my... You're not Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, my, uh, so my grandmother... So both of my parents worked when I was growing up, and my grandmother, uh, I, I stayed at her house quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and she taped... Uh, so she taped pretty constantly television, and there were four things that we had tapes of. So she had... Like maybe one VHS tape, so however long that is, three sure. hours of of the Cosby Show. Another one of Empty Nest. If anybody remembers Empty Nest out Do there, not. <laughs> not a great show. Uh, the entire OJ Simpson trial, literally from the beginning. <laughs> How many to videos the is end. that? 
17, 18. Oh. It was ridiculous. Uh, and then every episode of Seinfeld. Wow. Uh, and those were the four things she added. So yeah, good for her. Uh, yeah, I know, right? It was a, it's a weird mix. And so uh, whenever I was over, I would just watch yeah. just Seinfeld on loop yeah. on, on VHS. And it completely informed everything about what I find funny. Yeah. Uh, every know. one of those characters is so fully realized and, and yeah, you know, perfect at getting out their their opinion on everything. I um, I know you mentioned earlier uh, about the Larry David seasons. Did you give up on it after Larry David? No, left of course or? not. I mean, I still because be, because he was so influential and he he gave George a character like you know sure. his, he George was essentially Larry David like he that was him but a proxy of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time he left. George was George, so you didn't necessarily need him. Sure. I mean, I still think the glory seasons were like four and five. Like the yeah, middle. no, no, I agree. I, I, you know, I've always I've had this argument with a lot of people about the, uh, you know, was it still worth watching after oh, after you left? I was Come like, on, mate. It was like yeah, it's like it gets way more surreal, but there's also a lot of kind of indelible images that happen as a result of that. Like you have like the Kramer turkey. That would have probably never happened if yeah. Larry David had been there. There's the whole thing. I mean, the backwards episode was later so seasons. So good. I think it was like yeah. the third to last one. There was like the Puerto yeah. Rican Day Parade was like third to last or like second to last. Well, that's maybe. when they started having money too, and they could actually go. And outdoors. they could just do whatever. Yeah. Um. And and so it got much weirder in those later seasons, but in still a way that felt kind of real to the world, sort right. of. Yeah, yeah. A little heightened, but you know. I think. Oh, yeah, you know what, man? I think I think we're gonna have to split this up into a two parter. Let's do it because it's been about forty five minutes. Yeah, we've been jabbering, and I gotta pee really bad. Mm-hmm.